Hold on to your butts, everybody. Jurassic Park is 30 years old. It's 30 years old. 30-year anniversary of Jurassic Park, and what better way to celebrate it than to own it? Own it. Own the whole entire franchise, and you can do it through the Universal Digital Store. Now, Universal's digital movie store, it's only available to users in the United States. However, you can access your content anywhere, through Movies Anywhere, or your connected digital retail accounts, whether it's Apple TV, Amazon, Vudu, you know, you know the deal. What's so great about it is what you can do with this store is you can give gifts if somebody's birthday. Hey, I know you, Perry Nemiroff, I know that you love Jurassic Park and you love the whole thing. Well, I'm going to get you the whole series and here's a gift. There's a bundle. You can get the bundles of any franchise, whether, again, it's, it's Jurassic Park, it's Fast and Furious, any of the Universal titles. And they don't disappear off of the, the, the site the way that, say, Netflix does, right? You own them. They're yours, and there are a lot of benefits to having them on digital. You can continuously you can get some of the extra footage that they have and uh, the, the, the bonus content. You can check out the upgraded format of the movie. There's so many different things you can do when you own the movie digitally. Uh, there's collection building. Basically, the way you used to collect DVDs and Blu-rays, you can build your own movie library digitally. Click my creator cart link in the video description below to get 30% off, plus have a chance to win some epic Jurassic World swag. Man, Jurassic Park, 30 years old. I can hear the John Williams theme in my head. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to The Big Thing. It is Wednesday's episode, and it is a very special episode indeed. I got Chris Carr here, everybody. Yeah. We're going to be talking about a great many things. But the main thing we're going to talk about is this Wonder Woman thing, man. Gal Gadot had an interview before the strike, but it was released today or last night, whatever. The fact that Wonder Woman is being developed, Wonder Woman 3 being developed with James Gunn, Peter Saffron. And the question is, huh? What's happening? I don't, I don't understand. So we'll break that down. We'll talk about the Stephen Amell stuff. He made some comments about the strike that went over like a fart in an elevator. And then he then said, no, 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 guys, it wasn't me. It was somebody else. So he didn't say that, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Um, and there's some other stuff, too. Roland Emmerich is doing a Gladiator series, whatever the hell that's going to be. And then we'll talk some TV. We'll talk some other stuff. But I'm just going to talk to Chris Carr about a great many things, as I mentioned up top. So make sure, if you haven't already done this, make sure that you subscribe. Hit that button. We're approaching it. We're getting close, man. 86,000. We can get to that 100, and we hope that you guys can help us do it. So hit that button when you can. If you want to join that website, join the website, thechristianharloff.com. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are found, we are growing, and we're doing it because of you guys. All right. Let's get into it. It's the big thing. It's me. It's Chris Carr. Here we go. What's going on, everybody? It is the big thing. It is Wednesday, and I got Chris Carr here. Yeah. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? I am excellent. I'm so full from that really good breakfast. I know. It's so funny. I, as I said that, I was like, how are you doing? Like, I haven't just seen you for the last right? an hour and a half. We, <laughs> no, we had a chance to... Um, to sit down, have uh, break bread, as they say. Yeah, catch up. Catch up. I literally had ketchup on my face, and Chris <laughs> was so nice to tell me, hey, hey, dum-dum, get the ketchup that's, off your face. That's the mark of a good friendship, yeah, though. It's I agree. like, if you to have a whole meal with somebody and you leave with spinach in your teeth, are they your friend afterwards? It means that they wanted you to have it and look mm -hmm. dopey. Exactly, like, and I never want that no, for you. you did not, and I can tell. This is a fresh friendship. We're starting off on the right foot. It, it, you, when you can tell someone that they have, hey, hey 
wipe your face. And you did it so nice. You did it with a smile and a laugh. And I was like, Aww. that's I was like, that's that's very that's nice. Fun. But I was we were talking about a few things. We were talking about some of these stories, but mm-hmm. As you guys know or may not know, Chris is also a very talented uh, voice actor Thank and you. she teaches she uh, yeah. a lot of these things. So I, I was I was trying to get some some advice mm-hmm. and she gave me some really good advice. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. I love talking VO. I'm actually building out a new booth this week, too. Are you? At my home? home is chaos. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it is. It's it's ridiculous. There's just like parts of a door all through my hallway. Okay. Um, and what are you just soundproofing in doing yeah. all that? Okay. Yeah, we're upgrading everything. And how long you so how long have you been in the voiceover game? Oh, I did my first professional voiceover back in Texas in 2012. 2012. So, so like okay. a decade now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And you've been doing that now for, for quite a bit, and, mm-hmm. and you made a career out of it. And yes. So that's great. We also obviously see you on, on John Campia's show. Yeah. That's about four days a week? Yes, four days a week. Four right days now. a week. Yeah. So, well, great. I'm glad to have you with us today. Thank you. Me too. All right. We're going to talk about some stories. We're going to talk about this one because I brought this up to Chris today because it was just such, such a new story. This thing about Gal Gadot. Here it is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. All right. Here's the story, and this is from DarkHorizons.com. I'll read it out here. James Gunn and Peter Safran's DC Universe is, for the most part, going to be a straight reboot when it kicks off with Superman Legacy, ushering in a new wave of heroes. We also have a new Superman in David Sweat, and we know that James Gunn is going to be cast, uh, is going to cast someone new for Batman. But what of the other Justice League members? One of the big questions lingers over Gal Gadot and her role as Wonder Woman. First introduced in 2016's Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, Gadot has played the role multiple times on screen with the highlight being her solo 2017 Wonder Woman film, which remains the best-reviewed DC film adaptation since Nolan's Batman trilogy. The 2020 sequel, however, was widely panned. Gadot has appeared in Shazam! Fury of the Gods and Flash this year. Patty Jenkins were and her were on the work for the third Wonder Woman before Gunn and Saffron took over. After that, Jenkins exited, leaving its status with, and Gadot's involvement unclear. So she was speaking to comicbook.com regarding Netflix's upcoming action thriller, Heart of Stone. Gadot explained where things stand. She says, I love portraying Wonder Woman. It's so close and dear to my heart. From what I heard from James and from Peter is we're going to develop a Wonder Woman 3 together. Though the interview was just published it was conducted back in june prior to the strike and it was before corin sweat and brosnan had they just been cast and so she's talking about them and then she goes on to wishing them luck being in the role but nothing else further on wonder woman um so let's get into this thing chris where it comes to potentially gal gadot james gunn and peter saffron developing a wonder woman three what for why i don't understand I'm so confused about what is and isn't in the DCU. Like, what is being left behind in the DCEU and what's going forward? Because it feels very wishy-washy. It feels like cafeteria, a cafeteria option of, like, I want some of this, but I don't want that. And with, with chefs that don't really know what they're... Yeah, they, yeah. it's like, what, what should we put in there? What do we have? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we have this really good meat over here. We think this might be spoiled, but we're still going to serve it. Yeah. We don't know. It might, it, might, it, might, it might taste good. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. We think this one's really good. Oh, it's it cost two hundred fifty million dollars, and it's and it's not good. And it was terrible. No, and the she, and, and the lead chef is doing some stuff that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, it, it's it's bizarre that they would that they would do this. Be it also because wouldn't you want to just cut all ties at this point from anything that was before, because the audience ain't buying into it. 
And Gal Gadot has been, she was great. I loved her in the Shazam uh, sequel when she popped up. I loved her in, in this other movie. And I loved her as Wonder Woman in general. I think it's too confusing. I think it's incredibly confusing. Because yeah. it already is one of those things when I'm speaking to average moviegoers, like my, my friends and family, mm -hmm. who are, well, so do, what movies matter right now right. is a thing because of how just most superhero movies have gone. Of You have to see this to understand this. Right. You need to know about this show. You need to know about that. So I keep getting asked, well, what matters then? And I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, you can always see a movie that you want to, whether or not it matters, I don't know. Does any movie matter, ultimately? I know what you mean. But it's just so odd that it's, yep, we're completely revamping the DCU, we're taking this new direction, but also we're taking these other relics we had. Yeah. And she's great, but... She's great, but it's it just... It, I had this whole thing about Henry Cavill, and, and the short has been picking up a lot on this channel, but I talked about... I loved Henry Cavill as Superman. It's so funny. As I before I tell that story, I got this the silliest comment. When I, as you see, silly comments all the time. I, I saw a really silly comment yesterday that I didn't even allow on the channel because it was so dumb, and it was it was basically um, I had put out that I think that the Superman theme, the John Williams theme, should almost serve like the James Bond theme, like James, oh, the James uh, Bond I theme. I saw that. Yeah, and yeah. I and and someone's like. You don't fool us. We know you said good things about Man of Steel. We know that you uh, you like Man of Steel, and now you're not saying you It's not what I said at all. I love Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. I think Cavill's one of the best, if not second best, next to Christopher Reeve, and I think I, and I wanted to see him continue, and I was really bummed when he didn't get to continue, and I wish that he would have, and the fact that he has to play... Everyone else gets to, gets to come back, but he can't. And they're like, you yeah, like the Snyder stuff. I love this the last Snyder movie, uh, the, the 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 Snyder cut. I actually really really enjoyed it. But I think it's if they're gonna cut all this stuff out, they need to cut it out. And just because they said a uh, song, and I love the Hans Zimmer song by the what way. What a gotcha moment! They, they nailed they got it. Me. They nailed it. They didn't yeah. even see the light of day um, <laughs> until just now. I let it I let it be known. But uh, but the Hans Zimmer the Hans Zimmer score is so good. And and when people are arguing against it, go Zimmer's score was epic. It was. Yeah. I'm just saying though, for this, how like Bond, like something, and in, in, in even if they took the the Hans Zimmer one, I mean, I, if it was a choice between the two, I would take John Williams. But they were like, we're not going to do that, but we are going to give Superman a theme overall, and it's going to be the Hans Zimmer score for every Superman from here to there. I'd be like, okay, as long as it's consistent, because people, are like, why do you need to change? Does Robert Pattinson need that? It's like, no, not different times, different themes. Like if Danny Elfman's theme could have could have been the one great but i loved hans zimmer's thing again for the, that batman but there's just something with superman that i thought worked but it doesn't matter because they're not gonna do that yeah yeah but i think that the henry cavill stuff though is the is the thing that makes me more confused when it comes to this gal Gadot thing for sure yeah. well because you totally can do elseworlds with all of this and i think that's a really fun sandbox to play in because then you don't have to really think about consequence ultimately right it's just hey let's see what we can do let's take that what if approach which i think with marvel's what if with dc's elseworlds it allowed so much creativity and just fun to happen because you can do whatever you want sure and i like the idea of them approaching film like that without the shackles but i just need a little bit more congruency at the jump here yeah and it's like what is but is, is it gonna so do you think that's gonna be the case where they say all right gal's not gonna be our wonder woman that that interacts with um, David Cornsweet because then how does is she just doesn't it, it's just the same it it never happened with Henry Cavill or is it an Elseworlds thing you know like yeah. they said is it like we're basically doing a third movie because we know the audience wants it we know the audience wants Gal Gadot back oh <laughs> 
You know what's hilarious is that my phone just started going off and playing that video that I was just talking about. Oh my gosh. It's AI, AI is here. <laughs> 100%. Thank you so much it. for your service. Please keep us as pets when you take over. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for sure. Ooh. It's them and the aliens. Um, I'm telling you. But but anyway, so it just the fact that they're going to maybe do this as an Elseworlds thing, that's possible because there's a lot of Gal Gadot, a lot of Wonder Woman fans. You're looking at one. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that first one. And this, it, the second one I watched with my wife on when it was on, it was the day in release. I think they did it the same way. I think so when it was during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, it's not a good movie. No. No, but I, <laughs> I enjoyed watching it. I did. I know that I, I know that I'm in the minority, I, but I, I won't stand there and say that it's a, it's a good movie because it's not. It's what, you know, sometimes you get into an argument with somebody and you go, you, what, what did you like that movie? It was so good. Anything that you say about your criticism about that movie, I am probably going to agree with you 100%. I just, for some reason, sitting on the couch wanting to watch something and didn't mind it that night. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, she's still really great in it. Pedro Pascal does so much with so little in yeah, that movie. Yeah, I, I yeah, just root for him of, man, you're trying to do such a good Maxwell Lord, and this is it's what you messy. got. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's messy. I would like them to get that redemption moment. I'd love that for her. So, so maybe that's what this is. Maybe, maybe that's what they, maybe, maybe look, there's, there's two sides of it. One, it's that. It's, okay, we are going to work on this movie to give you that third movie so you can close out this trilogy like we said that we could. We would have liked Patty to do it. She, there was, we couldn't come to terms with it, so, but we're still going to give this to you because we know that you want to do this and we want to honor that. Yeah. Which, if that's the case and it's the third movie and they want to close it out, I respect that, right? And the other side of it is, okay, maybe, like, how do, how do you play, how do you, I don't know how you play that, though. Like, how do you make that work? overall and then it's like all right well this is gonna we're gonna connect this somehow into our dcu you can't it, it just doesn't the, i can't see the roadmap right now and and maybe james and peter can that's right. their whole job but if it's already okay so i just saw this batman and i know there's this other batman who has already been established as mm-hmm. elseworlds and that's pattinson so i know one batman has interacted with her one moving forward has not and that will stay that way and now i'm also going to have another batman coming in and i'm having another superman come in that's where it's a I'm, lot, yeah, right. there's so many forks in the road that I don't understand. So I think another thing that is very possible, though, is this scenario. This is the scenario that I think is the most likely. When all this was going down, rightfully so, Saffron and Gunn had to have meetings with all the cast from the, from the past, the future, everybody. And they had to have conversations, whether it be with the director as well, had the conversation with Patty Jenkins, couldn't come to terms with us, sat with Gal and said, look, we're working on these other things, and we we can start potentially working on a Wonder Woman th- Wonder Woman three, and behind closed doors or in a conversation, they probably could also have this with um, with Zasloff and say, we're talking about it, because if there is still a need for it, and if the audience is still responding, let's see how Shazam does, let's see how The Flash does, let's see how Aquaman does, and if those movies do well, then it really could make sense to do a Wonder Woman three. But now that you have data for those two movies, and the answer is they did not do well, yeah. is that maybe, yeah, this isn't going to work out. That's how it feels. I feel like, too, the, the whole hoopla of Momoa leaving the DC office is really excited. I feel like that. I'm still one of those believers who that's for Lobo, not for Aquaman. I agree with you. Um, and, and WB, and I know this is the old regime, they've been so reactionary when it yeah. comes to the DCEU. And I feel like that's still dribbling over here to your point there of let's see what the data says yeah. of, well, if we learn somebody wants her still, then we'll do it. Right. 
I don't know if that's the greatest uh, method. I think that that's it more. Like spaghetti. It feels like a studio spaghetti move. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like them going, well, let's see. Don't don't tell her no. We everybody loves Gal, and yeah. we love Gal. We want to work with. Gal. Let's let's say that we can potentially work on something and. And I don't think that they were being disingenuous, like uh, Saffron and Gunn, about it. I think that they were probably like, if if Gunn believes what he said, that he said that the Flash was the best uh, superhero movie of all time, right? That's what he had said at one point. If he believed that in his heart of hearts, right? Which, that's probably troubling. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it. And I say that as someone who did you see the movie yet? Oh yeah. And what did you say? Yeah, we haven't talked to you about I it did, yet. I did. You didn't like, like it. it. I liked parts of it. Yeah. And and also the, one of the reasons why I haven't talked about it a lot too is just because everyone was like, "You're out to hate it." You knew you were gonna hate I'm it before. Not, I'm not. I'm not out yeah. to hate it. I really wanted it to be. If I'm gonna sit through a movie, I want it to right, be good. Right. Fucking thrill me. Yeah. But there were some moments I loved in it. I the grocery store scene. I was like, "This is beautiful and great. moving yeah. and wonderful." But so much of it I disliked so intensely to a point of, I understand everything's subjective, but I don't know if I want my tastemakers saying what they've said about this movie. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, I still I still stand by the fact that I enjoyed watching I saw the movie twice. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Same thing, though. I just watched, so late to the party, your friends of mine, they do um, reactions, and they, they did a reaction like a month ago where they watched The Flash for the first time. Oh, wow. And when I, I think that there was this reason they had to watch it for the first time. But they were... they. There's that scene in the very beginning with the the babies and and all that. Yep. The CGI the, the baby shower. The baby shower line. It it does. It's it's a bad line. It's a bad line. Um, the bit to me plays better in the theater than it does on on even watching it through their screen. It it and the CGI is terrible. I've been very critical on the CGI since the second I saw it. it it's yeah. it plays like they they said it plays like one of those bad. Uh, uh, what is it? The, the those those commercials they show the Super Bowl. I forget which one. Not Geico, but E Trade. Is it the e, is it, remember uh, the baby yeah, E Trade? The they said mm-hmm. that's what it seemed. That's what it seemed like, and and I agree with them. It looked like Xbox 360 cutscenes. It it did. Really? It did, and it, and it rips you out of it when it's the opening scene. So, staying in that lane, what do you think about this idea? Because I like Andy Muschietti. I really do. I think he's a great director. I really do, and I think that the 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 dramatic moments and those emotional moments, as you just mentioned, the grocery store really hit, right? Yeah. And I think he understands. I mean, the stuff that he did with Batman, both Keaton and Affleck in this movie, really works. So, what do you think about him doing Brave and the Bold? Do you think it's a good choice? Or do you think it's a mistake? I don't think I'm the right person to ask, honestly, because I'm so unfamiliar with his work. Because I don't know if you know this about me, I am a huge wimp. I hate scary movies. Okay. I hate them so you've never seen it. so much. Okay. No, my husband loves those movies, and he tries to get me to watch them all the time, and I refuse because, like, I, I saw Saw maybe five years ago, wow. and I cried for three hours. We also had a ceiling <laughs> fan blade rip off right when it ended and go across the room, so I was like, he's here. Wow. Jigsaw's here to kill me. I made him check every cupboard. I was ridiculous. Okay. So, I, I so Pennywise cry, yeah. can't do it. People would send me like the Pennywise with Georgie's arms gif, and I would cry over that. I, Hello, Georgie. I go, oh, no. <laughs> Where is <laughs> it? Look up, look up there. Oh, no, is look he up here? There. Look up there. I hate it. I hate it so Because the Tim Burton, or not Tim Burton, Tim Curry one messed me up oh, as a yeah. kid. Oh, yeah. He was, he was, that was great. Yeah, it was, I mean, but Muschietti's style for those those movies, he just does, he does them really, really well. That's, I, I only think, hear good things. Yeah. The first one to me, the same, very, when we were growing up, the same thing. The Part one was better than part two, the mm-hmm. Tim Curry one, right? Yeah. It's just, the, I guess, it's how the book 
plays and transfers over. Same for me. Part one was better than part two. With terrifying children is always, always better than terrifying adults. <laughs> it's totally true. Especially I, the only thing that concerns me moving forward with Muschietti that I can speak to is standing by the CGI. Yeah. Saying that was a stylistic yeah, choice. Yeah, I didn't like when that either. Oh, we can, we can just say what it is. And, and if that was a stylistic choice, woof, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, I would have much rather them said, yeah, we had to rush. We had to really move forward, and I wish it got to a place that I felt better about. But if you liked that. Same. I would have much rather him say, look, here's the deal. We had certain things that we wanted to do, um, and we couldn't because, like you said, it, it was rushed. But we also, we, we've been overworking these VFX artists, yeah. and it's pretty public that they've been overworked, and there was only so much we can do. We stand by what we have. We like what we have. Mm -hmm. But if you have a criticism on the actual CGI, we understand because it just wasn't, it's not at full capacity. But to say, like, no, this is what we wanted, that does make me nervous also because yeah. it's like, let's not hope that that's what Brave and the Bold looks like. Exactly. Yeah. But it's also why this is where my audience starts to like bang their head on the table because I bring it up at least once an episode and it's, <laughs> and it's the, the budgets, right? And it's like yeah. one of those things where you're, you're making these massive scenes like that baby scene. It was a gimmick. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a gimmick. You could have done that scene without the babies and everything else of, of the fact that this hospital is falling apart. He's got to do something heroic real quick. It, it you cut down like five, 10 minutes of that thing, yeah. scale down, get a little bit more um, of the practical effects and you cut about 10 to 15 million dollars off your budget already just just on that scene exactly and that's what they it's the same thing with like Indiana Jones and all these movies like the Indiana Jones ending did you see it did you wind up seeing did, that yeah did you like it I thought it was okay okay yeah it was fine it was better than the last one well, this, is another, this is another point of contention in my home my husband loves Crystal Skull wow. he loves Crystal Skull it's in our wedding vows that I was like I am marrying you despite you loving I this love thing. I love that that's put in there. And he left it furious, where he was like, this is worse than Critchell Skull. How dare anyone ever tell? Yeah. Wow. Logan Peets has a lot of hard opinions that I do not agree with. Wow. See, all kinds of people don't be together, folks. And you can marry anyone. Um, <laughs> wow. But man, because there were just parts that didn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie. Other parts really, one. really did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that and there TV was... And Waller Bridge also was kind of just like a... Bitch. An a-hole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and I love her. Yeah, I think that there was it. Her turn was to. It was like, hey, if you act like this the whole movie, it's gonna be hard to sell that you're the good guy. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, just turn, make now. Now she's a good guy. It's mm -hmm. like it's like in wrestling. It's like they've been healed for so long. Why are they good now? Because we need we because want the we audience need them to, to cheer. Be. Yeah, we want yeah. we want the audience to cheer for them. Um, it felt that way. I, I agree. But the but the the one point that I really been making about is like Last Crusade is to a lot of people. The best Indiana Jones to me, Raiders is my favorite. But, oh, but a lot of people love the last one, and I think that the point that I've been making is what's so special about that movie is Indy has to go to save his dad, and he's got the the things he has to do. The penitent man shall pass, and he, then he sees the night. That budget is not. It's you know for maybe for the time it's still because of location and whatever it might be, but it's not a lot of stuff going on. No. In it's minus Donovan's face melting off or whatever it might be. There's not a lot going on in there, and you. The reason why you were invested is because of the lead up to it, the quest, the emotional attachment with his dad. Yes. And that stuff is not only missing in Indiana Jones; it's missing in a lot of these movies. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of what I hope that DCU can do and start. Like, look at look at Barbie. Barbie is going to be in, might surpass Mario. We'll see. 
but it's going to make a billion dollars. For sure. And it costs $140 million to make. Now, 10 years ago, that's a lot of money. Now, for a blockbuster, that's like, that's modest. Yeah. Well, especially compared to what we're seeing right now. The, the other concern, just backtracking tremendously yeah. Yeah. back to Batman Brave and the Bold, historically, those stories in the comics have always been team-up stories. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about that as our, our launching point for a new Batman either, of how Batman plays with somebody else. The only reason I would advocate towards it is because we have so many Batman. That's true. We have just so many. It's like Bale, Keaton, Affleck, uh, Pattinson. There's just, uh, there's just so many of them that have been on their own for a long time, you know? And all of our stories have been, I mean, because the Pattinson one is, he, he's not going to find Robin. Anything. I don't think, I think because Ooh. of this, I don't think he's going to find Robin at if all. If he finds Robin, it's going to be his head in a box. It's seven. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's true. I think so. For me, I don't mind it because I think by, and I think it also differentiates the, the Batman that much that if you start, if you're at the starting point where they're just together as partners, it's like, oh, that's who this, that's, that's where we are here. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, that's the, only, that's, that's the only reason why. But other than that, I don't know, guys. What do you think about this Gal Gadot thing? Where can it land? Like, is it, is it because, what scenario that we painted do you think uh, makes sense? Is it the fact that they're going to do an Elseworlds thing? Are they going to, how are they going to make it work? Is it going to not happen at all because of the failure of the Flash and because Shazam 2 is a stinker? Like, how, how what do you think? Um, go ahead and comment. Let me know. And can Aquaman, if Aquaman does well, can that save the possibilities? Please let me know. I want to hear your thoughts. Um, before I move on, I want to tell you guys about both AG1 and Green Chef. Both were I use religiously. I love them, and I can't wait to tell you more about them. Here we go. I know, I know. You guys know how much I love Green Chef, and I talk about it all the time. And, and, and why wouldn't I? Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating clean with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Eat clean the easy way with recipes that help manage your weight and support your wellness goals without skimping on flavor. I love Green Chef. I love it. I've talked about it. Like when, when my family went away, it was like my, my thing. I was, in the, I was in the kitchen and I was cooking every day and I continue to do it because of all the great, great food that they send. It's so amazing. They deliver everything you need to eat clean the easy way. It's the best. Feel your best with nutritionist-approved recipes packed with clean ingredients that support your healthy lifestyle and taste great, too. For me, a lot of the things that I do, I've been making a lot of the rice bowls, but they have, like, really good shrimp. I'm a big seafood guy, and I love their shrimp. I just, I actually just put some on the grill the other day, fired it up, and made, like, some uh, quesadillas out of them, too. Whew, so good. It's really amazing. They have so much great stuff. Go to greenchef.com slash thing50 and use that code thing50 get 50% off plus free shipping greenchef.com slash thing50 green chef the number one meal kit for eating well our next partner is ag1 the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health i drink it every day i love it had it this morning woke up my my, my daughter my little little one she's like what's that said this is dada's vitamins all in one shot and i started it because of my buddy brett sheridan he's like you got to try it man it's really amazing you'll love it because i wasn't a, a a big vitamins person i've told you guys that many times over but i just put it in a water bottle i shake it up done and i do it right before my coffee by the way i have a i have a, a some ag1 first i have it with my breakfast i go on my walk and i am feeling good like real good i'm like ready to start the day i love it 
it's just so amazing because I don't like doing that whole supplement routine with a bunch of different products. It's just not, it's just not for me. And for me, since I AG1, better sleep quality, uh, I have a better feeling of health overall. And I don't understand why people would take a whole bunch of different things. We can just take one scoop of powder and water once a day, done. Because AG1 was designed with ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to complicate your routine. It's the best. It's delivered to me every month. It's been very easy to make it a daily habit, and so can you. So if you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash big thing. That's drinkag1.com slash big thing. All right, thank you to our friends over at Green Chef and AG1. And as I mentioned, I've been I've been doing every morning now what I do is I, I used to do two cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. It was two cups of coffee. Now I take I wake up in the morning, I, I, I have like I have my little routine that I do where I take the dog, but I take the AG1, I put it in a, in a glass of water gives me my energy and then I only need one cup of coffee the rest of the day and I'm moving but I wouldn't even oh, need it nice. I wouldn't even need the coffee to be honest with you because I have like the AG1 just gives you such like it really does help sleep quality it's really really have you Ooh. tried it yet I have it I do awesome. use Green Chef Green Chef's amazing yeah I just got one of their like keto boxes which is always kind of yeah. one of those ones where you're like oh they're gonna give me like weird shitty diet food yeah. it's great it's really it's good legitimately good it's really really good um I was when my when my family went out of town I went on like a cooking spree and I was making myself fajitas and like rice bowls mm-hmm. and like to burger and it's their their stuff is just fantastic. It's so good. yeah. So anyway, uh, and you help out the show when you do it. I, I know a lot of people know this already too, but like we've been we've had a f- quite a few sponsors recently. That you guys have been purchasing that you have been getting, and they have been renewing. And because of that, we can keep doing this show. Yay! So please, if you're able to, obviously, if you have the means, and it's something that you're interested in. Go to the first comment. I pinned the links to both sponsors. And please, get yourself something that you think you'll enjoy. All right, Chris, did you watch this uh, Loki trailer? Hell yeah, I did. It's broken some records. It's mm-hmm. broken some records here. Loki season two trailer breaking records. The first trailer for the second season of Marvel Studios Loki hit yesterday morning and it's broken a record. The preview quickly began the biggest online trailer debut for any series on Disney Plus. Any series. 80 million views in the first 24 hours. Not only that, but the sentiment toward the trailer was reportedly extremely positive at almost 90% on Twitter slash X. Ew. <laughs> oh, I hate that we're doing that. <laughs> Nobody knows to call it anymore. Nominated for six Emmys, the first season remains the highest-rated Marvel Disney Plus series on Rotten Tomatoes at 92%, over 333 critics, and 90% verified audience score. The first season remains Marvel Studios' most-watched series on the Disney Plus service and was the first show on the service to exceed one billion minutes of watch time in a single week. The new run picks up in the aftermath of the first season finale when Loki finds himself in a battle for the soul of the Time Variance Authority. Um, okay. What did you think of the uh, the trailer? I loved it. Yeah, it's pretty good. I loved good. it. I, I do love that we're still getting all those Tom Hiddleston hair flips. It's yes. my favorite drinking game with Loki. Oh, really? drink every time Tom Hiddleston flips his hair. I have to look at that now. Every time he like pops up somewhere, he's like, huh. <laughs> like, like a mermaid in the water? Yes, it's Amazing. him doing the aerial shot. It's great. Um, yeah, I liked it too because I, I go back and forth 
with my favorite series either being WandaVision or Loki. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm surprised that Loki's higher rated than WandaVision. It's fun. I and, like oh, it, but... I think it, what it does, it, it, it really combines an element of really fun science fiction. And even though Loki is such a significant MCU character, it kind of distances itself a bit. Even though, which ironically, it's the one that's probably going to play the most into the, the connecting the new phases. But it just feels separate. I almost had like, do you remember the show Sliders? Yeah. It has like slider vibes in I it. I love sliders. Right? And so it has like that kind of vibe to it. I love the fact that Owen Wilson is back and their team up and their chemistry was great. Like that so buddy good. cop thing that they have. And I liked, I love the way that it's shot. And then you add Kihu Kwan to it and I, it, it looks pretty phenomenal. He, uh, well, and he drops into this so seamlessly in yeah. that trailer where he makes sense in this world. Literally. Like, yeah. He literally I, drops into the trailer. I love it so yeah. much. It, I, I've always loved that Loki does have this very fun Doctor Who Twin Peaks kind mm -hmm. of vibe. Yeah. And I think this is, I mean, speaking of heel turns and everything, Loki's character arc has been so beautifully yeah. done throughout yeah. the MCU where it's always made sense. He still usually is out for himself, but you see him giving into altruism every now and then mm -hmm. and giving into wanting to help family or friends or a, or a higher power. And it's been really cool to watch and it's executed well, which can't be said about all the shows. And it's also a testament to Tom Hiddleston too, because he does seem like he's still very much invested. Yes, very he seems much. like he has so much fun. He, he, I love watching it. He really does. And I think that there's, the, and the character, I think out of all the characters, maybe, maybe since Hugh Jackman's like Wolverine, is the one that is consistently evolving, right? Because Thor, they kind of lost its way with because Thor became like a Saturday Night Live character yeah. and kind of lost who he was. Um, there were things that were great about Thor, and then Chris Hemsworth is fantastic, but you don't really, like, who is Thor really except he's kind of like a dad now? Yeah. That's the one thing. But Loki is can always discovering himself and doing different things, and we're learning more about him in the way that they, I think, brilliantly combined. I mean, the Loki that that is transformed is the one that we met after Avengers 1. It's not even the, the one that went through all that other stuff. Exactly. Which is also really interesting. And I like the way that they are very um, aware of that and how that plays into what the events of what went down in season one. But the question I want to ask you is, for me, I feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe thus far has not been as connected to the overall theme of what they announced at Comic-Con, right? They're like, well, we're, we need to get to Avengers and the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars and all that. But what really is the story thus far leading to that? Do, do you think that we found that out or do you think this is going to answer some questions? I hope this answers some questions because right now it does feel like we're putting pins on a map of where we're supposed to be. Right. And it doesn't feel like they're actually connecting. Um, you know, we just saw this with Secret Invasion of, okay, well, now we're going to have a really different kind of story for you know, the Armor Wars story right. because of whether or not Rhodey was a scroll since Civil War. I know some people are still debating that kind of thing. But the director um, said that he exactly. thinks, and it's like, don't say that. You should know. Yeah. <laughs> that made me so <laughs> bummed out of, I'm pretty sure. It was, oh, you guys. You should know. You guys need to figure that yeah. out. Yeah. It, it's again, it goes back to this idea of cafeteria style or spaghetti at the wall of, well, did you guys like that? Right. Because maybe if you liked it, then that is exactly what we intended. And if you didn't like it, no, no, Rhodey was just getting a colonoscopy and we snatched him then, <laughs> which is, right, you know, right. uh, and the Marvel Universe also has just lacked consequence for a really long time, too. Yeah. Um, aside from Tosh, we really don't have a lot of permanent situations. Right. 
And I think that's something that this is missing is we need those goal points and those goal posts rather to, to mark where we're supposed to go. And I'm hoping that's what happens with Loki. We saw that end connecting bit with Kang and everything. Right. We're seeing that carried through. Also, I find it interesting that they didn't shy away from featuring Kang in the trailer. So They didn't show him a lot, though. No. They showed him. They showed him because I, I think it's impossible to not show him because he's going to be such a part of the sh- yeah. thing. So I'm glad you brought that up because this is here. Here's where I stand on that. It's very, very different from the, the Ezra Miller situation in oh, general. Yes. Right? Very different because we don't have all the facts yet in this case. The, there's been there's been accusations there's been mm-hmm. on both sides of, of what what's of what's what's happened what's true what's not they haven't they haven't decided anything in the courts and this is one of those the differences that and what i brought up when it comes to um like ezra miller and like well how come jonathan major's being fired from anything and ezra miller hasn't well ezra miller was already in a movie that was shot and they're putting it i think they may have done reshoots they might have done reshoots but still coming out um, Jonathan Majors was never fired from Marvel. He was not the 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 companies that were going to put him in other movies decided not to go with him forward. That probably if it's find out that he's completely innocent and everything too, they'll probably go back and go look. We we uh, we'd like to work with you again. We and he can if he wants to, he can give them the the, Absolutely. the, the, the you know the arm. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's but then there's the other side of it where more evidence comes out that he did do something. So. Marvel, I think, has actually played this right. I think they played it right. I think they haven't acted hastily and, and right away and said, no, you're out. We, we, you have accusations, you're out. They said, let's wait. They pushed the series back. They mm-hmm. haven't had, there's been no mention at all because they're waiting to see what happens. Yeah. But I do think that it was a decision to say, we have to show him because he's a character in the show that is actually, he's our main villain that's gonna be yeah. the guy. But I think it was also um, a reason why you saw him for so little. I was honestly expecting, though, just the voiceover and shadowy figure. Oh, I was not expecting to see his face. Okay. So that's why I went, oh, okay. Because, yeah, it, it is a very different situation that's still unfolding. Yeah. And I think Disney also, and they'd be fools not to, but it feels like they watched what happened with the Ezra Miller situation and went, how do we want to go about this? Right. Do we want to release a statement? Because they did do just the, as events unfold, we will make decisions. Right. Which is a on mud is mud kind of answer, but at least they said something. Yeah. Whereas WB for the longest time was like, what? No, we don't know. Was, what they didn't even say that. Anything. They didn't yeah. say there was no nothing. addressing it, nothing. which I think is why everything got so much worse with that situation. Because right. once it starts snowballing, how do you jump in and stop it? Or when is the right moment to say something? Yeah. Then it just feels like too little too late. hundred percent. And so, and it's, it's something that, you know, obviously they're going to, they, they, been watching and, and seeing and I think that the I think and you might know the case I think is supposed to take place in October. Is that I is that right? So. Which is coincidentally right around the time that Loki comes out. So who knows how that's gonna unfold but Does Loki come out in October? I thought so. I thought it was August. Maybe what you're right. I think you're August? right. I think you're right. I think you're uh, wait, are you right? I, I know that know. Ahsoka comes out in August. So oh, they, I, think, I might be switching But things. you might you might be right. They most they might both be coming out. In August, um, that'd be very nice for me. August see. is my birthday month, so oh, okay. I assume everything is planned. October sixth. No, see, you're right. October sixth. Yeah, uh, that's my birthday month. So <gasps> oh, okay. yes. So we. What got, sign are you? Uh, Libra. Oh, okay. That makes sense. It does. Yeah. I think you're I, a very uh, balanced individual. Thank you so much. Tell my wife that. I will. Please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris. It's nice to meet you. Let me tell you. Your a few husband things. is well balanced. <laughs> uh, so it is a. Um, yeah, it's absolutely. Uh, I think that right around that time, maybe I'm wrong, that when that case comes out, 
And I think that they're going to be able to make, and where it comes to the writer strike, the SAG strike, all these things, they're going to look and go, all right, we have time where we're backing certain movies up. Avengers will be pushed. Fantastic Four will be pushed. All these yeah. movies are going to be pushed back. Blade will come out and, but after we're all dead. 2080. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, you're, being, you're being optimistic. Uh, so I, I think, uh, and I'd love to see that movie. I'd love to see Mahershali as, as Blade. He, w w some of the best casting maybe ever. Yeah. Maybe ever. And that, it's, it's just not going to happen. I'm mad about um, it. But anyway, you know, we just brought up the sack strike. Speaking of the sack strike, we got to talk about the Stephen Amell thing. Oh, Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Arrow star and heel star Stephen Amell made some comments, man. I don't know where it was at the... Uh, Galaxy Con. Is that where it was? Galaxy yeah. Con. There it was in North Carolina on the weekend. And he said, I support my union. I do. And I stand with them. I do not support striking. I don't. Before going on to call it myopic and strikes being a reductive negotiation tactic. The comments have drawn a harsh backlash from many corners, including some of Amel's former Arrow guest stars, including Kirk Acevedo, who tweeted this effing guy, and Matt Lesher, who tweeted, still waiting on that comprehensive list of totally non-reductive negotiation tactics we get to employ now. Thank God for superheroes. Any second now. Today, Amel sought to clarify his thoughts in a lengthy Instagram post explaining every sentence of his original comments, and here's an excerpt. I'm an actor and I'm speaking extemp extemporaneously for over an hour. I emote, but I certainly don't think these issues are simple. Our leadership has an incredibly complicated job, and I'm grateful for all that they do. Despite some of my terrible acting work, I assure you I am not a robot. From an intellectual perspective, I understand why we are striking, but that doesn't mean it's, it isn't emotionally frustrating on many levels for all involved. No shit. It's, yeah. Stay quiet. I'm simply sad that we don't have a chance to celebrate a show that all of us figuratively and I literally broke my back for. However, at least for the foreseeable future, I choose to stand with my union. When you see me on a picket line, please don't whip any hard fruit. All right, he's definitely trying to, you know, throw some jokes and stuff Yeah, at it. back, being a little self-deprecating. He is. And this is, this is what happened. He was in this con, and he was surrounded by people who love him, and... They were cheering him on, and he was saying, you know, whatever he's saying. Then he's like, "Yeah," and he's like, and he for a second thought he was sitting in a room with his best buddy. Yep. And he decided to say it on a microphone in front of, in, on a camera of the, his thoughts. And it went everywhere as it should have went. It's like, dude, you're allowed to have your thoughts on what you think, but you have to understand. You are a prominent voice, especially in the geek space and all these things, too. Absolutely. Your voice is going to carry over, and it's going to say, oh, well, I don't like striking. I think it's dumb, and it's counterproductive. It's all this stuff, too. And it's like, well, what about the people that are breaking their back, Stephen, yeah. online every day? You're, you're, you can have your thoughts about it, but shut your hole. Well, and especially when this is all the entertainment news, news cycle is. Right. You are absolutely going to be put under such a microscope right now. And, uh, you know, I talked about this on John Campia's show. The use of the word myopic, too, is just, I think, something everyone's clinging to. One, because it's short-sighted right. to strike. You know, striking is about endgame. Right. And, of course, it's inconvenient. You know, it goes back to the Bob Iger comments. This is disruptive. Right. That's the whole fucking point <laughs> of exactly. a strike. Right. You know, we were talking about this at breakfast. We've been on strike for, what, two and a half weeks, yeah. maybe three? The writer's almost at 100 days. That's crazy. Three weeks of not working for an actor is pretty goddamn normal. <laughs> right, exactly. That's, we, we all have seasons. We have swings and roundabouts. I think what's particularly frustrating, and he, what he brings up here, is he can't promote his show. That's exactly what it is. And, and I'm sure that is so frustrating. 
that especially a show that he he loves. Yeah. And it's doing okay, and exactly. he wants more people to see it, and he wants to and he wants to be able to promote it. Yeah. And, and there are different rules, too, between the writers and the actors. I know for us, too, it's been a very complicated thing of what we're allowed to do. Right. Of, well, the AMPTB is not paying me, so am I allowed to talk about movies? Nobody am really I allowed knows. to do this? SAG is a little like, eh, don't, but maybe. Um, yeah. And whereas writers can talk about, you know, past work, things like that. They right. just can't promote current things. It wasn't a smart statement. But especially right now when, this is when I put my tinfoil hat on. I've talked about this on some other channels, too. It, the AMPTP owns, or it, the companies that are in the AMPTP are owned by the trades, right? So, like, Dick Clark Productions is owned by Penske Media, who owns Variety, who right. owns Deadline. Right. So they love these stories that talk about the divisiveness, the infighting and everything. And it takes away from the focus of, hey, yeah, striking isn't something anyone wants to do. Right. Shouldn't we be dealing with the big suits right now and then come back and deal with all this shit? Because the SAG isn't perfect. We've got a lot of issues there. We've got a lot of things we need to sort out, but maybe not right now. Right, and that's what's. And you're right, though. You're absolutely right because that's what it's the the where the story should be. Hey, did you know? And this is another thing we brought up at breakfast that we just kind of we, we talked about this story about Stephen Mill longer because it's more divisive, if you will. But like the writers are sitting, are, are they're going to go back to the table? They're yeah. going to go. That that should be like the major story. Exactly. And it's like no, Green Arrow is talking shit, and it's like and and again, I never met. Stephen Amell, I actually heard nothing but really good things about the guy from people who have worked with him and other things too. But this was someone who was not reading the room, someone who clearly wanted to promote their show, yeah. who was frustrated by it. And you're allowed to be frustrated by that. You're absolutely allowed to be frustrated by it. And you're allowed to have this opinion on it. But to have a public opinion on it was irresponsible. It was insensitive. Mm -hmm. And it was, a, it was a bad move. It was a bad For move sure. because, you know, you, like, uh, like any other opinion, I don't have to agree with your opinion. Like if I, if I had this conversation with, with Stephen Amell with cameras off and he was sitting down and I had a conversation with him and he said these exact things, I'd be like, well, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I wouldn't go tweeting and go, hey, guess what Stephen no. just did? So, you know, it's a, it's a public private conversation that we're having. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing too is the reaction to it as well of we're, we're all so heated about this, especially those of us who live in the markets where things are being affected on every level. Right. Our friends who are makeup artists or greensmen or you know restaurant owners in the LA area are super affected by yeah. all of this. So we're all very, very heated. It's emotional. Uh, there was a great piece in the Wall Street Journal that was like, we need to just on all sides take a breath right. to calm down to have better negotiation tactics. But I do wish somebody had said, hey, Stephen, why don't we have a chat about this? Right. Instead of immediately having the knee-jerk reaction. That's easy for me to say, though. Right. I've had knee-jerk reactions my whole life. I've said things I should not have said that I've needed to walk back to. We're all people. We're all human, and we're guilty of doing this as well. I just wish it didn't happen in such a public forum because everyone's got opinions. Opinions are like yeah. assholes. Yours doesn't have to make you one. I know. And that's it, the big thing here. It, it is. And he was. And it's just like if you watch that interview when he says it, he, it's like every other Comic-Con panel that I've ever seen. It's just a guy who's really vibing with his audience that's yep. there and he mentions something and they go he's like I ate a sandwich today woo and then like they we love you we Santa. love sandwiches uh, and, and like that that was where he was so yeah. he felt a lot more comfortable than you he should have you feel so safe with your people you and, feel so safe at Comic Con and in that room he probably was yeah and there's probably not one person in that room that said anything to him about it the second went online and even the person who shot it was like oh Okay, boop, 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 boop. and that was it. <laughs> yeah, and rightfully so, to be honest, because like because 
the people that are sweating out there, and, and, and it is not cold no. in L.A. right now. It's horrible here. It is horrible right now. And people are out there, and they are moving, and they are fighting for what they're fighting for. And I think that's also, it's, people will, again, rightfully so, say, yeah, he did that because he caught heat. Um, he, that's why he apologized and clarified his comments. But he still did it. I always, I always give people credit because there are people, like, you know, a lot of times people, well, the only reason they apologize is because they were getting shit. There's a lot of people that get shit and done, don't do anything about it. Absolutely. Well, in, in real life, most of the time when you apologize to a person, it's because you've been alerted that your behavior was problematic. Right. You usually don't, most people, sometimes people do, oh, hey, I think maybe I was out of line there. Hey, I think, right. I think what I said was out of bounds. Most people don't do that until they see that reaction or get that feedback of, Dude, what the fuck? That was not cool. You hurt someone's feelings. Yeah. This is this that you know that what we were t talking about and that that thing that you said to so and so it probably wasn't the nicest. And like, really? Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I thought about it and I should go and, uh, and exactly. I'll say something. And like that is essentially a lot of times. I mean, it depends. Like, there's sometimes when it's very clear that people don't give a shit about what they're saying and they're only doing it to try to like put band-aids over and, and stop, like stop the bleeding on, on a business that's taking hits or their image that's taking hits. And this could be that case, but I still give him props that he went the next couple of days and going, hey, let me clarify. I'm going to be on, and he said, I'm going to be on the picket line and don't throw shit at me. And he'll bounce back from this. He will. He'll bounce back yeah. from it. It's, it's, not, it's, it's one of those people, people like, as you said, I think very well, is that it is a, um, people are heated right now. They're pissed off. They and it need this it does need to come to an end i mean not because it's frustrating and i have a show to promote it's because the, the these because the people who are fighting need to be uh compensated in the way that they they are rightfully deserved exactly so, yeah. this affects the bottom line of, of people being able to live and live not even well decently 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 yeah. and it's it's a greater labor issue and i not to be political or anything but if you are in any industry, you should not have to work 18-hour days right. to make the bare minimum to maybe afford a home. And, and by afford a home, a place you can rent to live, a one-bedroom apartment yeah. with you and your family. It's, it's, That's wild. It is wild. Uh, and look, this is not just when it comes to any of this, when it comes to work. And there's a lot of different – FedEx almost had a thing recently yes. in a lot of different places – Right now, sh places are struggling, people are struggling, and this is also one of the reasons that I bring up, and I've mentioned to you guys many times over, is BetterHelp. And I've talked about BetterHelp, we've been with BetterHelp for a long time, and, and I've been a big advocate for them because people very close to me have been using BetterHelp, and I'll tell you a little bit more about them right now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp, man, it is really an incredible, incredible thing, and I say this from personal experience here too, I've seen people around me people very close to me that were looking for someone to reach out to and someone to talk to, and they have found that person at BetterHelp. People very, very close to me, and I've seen a, a, an absolute change in, in their health and, and the way that they carry themselves, and it's, it's really wonderful to, to, to watch. And look, sometimes you're faced with a crossroad in life, and you just don't know which path to take, and uh, whether it's a career change, or you feel like your relationship needs some some new love in it, whatever it is, therapy can help you map out your future and you can trust yourself to find the way forward. As I mentioned, I've seen people very close to me who were in a tough spot and they were able to find help. And I've even been able to talk to some of the people over there and just, they, they really care so much and they really do such an amazing job. Um, it, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I do, I can't, I can't rave 
enough about BetterHelp, and that's why they've been with the show for so long. So if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. So you just got to basically fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you switch therapists anytime, no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. You got to go to betterhelp.com slash big thing today, and you get 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash big thing. All right, thank you again. Once again, the episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we are happy to be working with them. If you have an opportunity and you want to browse around, please do so. Please use our link. And if you need to talk to somebody and you're able to, go and check them out. They're, they're fantastic. And, they got uh, me through quarantine. Did they? Yeah, yeah. I, I used them, and I was so thankful for it, especially because you can uh, text with your therapist. Yep, you can. So I'd go on those mental health walks, which you know started out as a mile, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I was walking from North Hollywood to Studio City and doing like 10-mile walks and was like, I don't think I'm in a good place. But I could text my therapist the so, whole time. So I, and the only reason I bring this up, because she's talked about it many times on this show, is that Roxy yeah. was looking, and Roxy said to me, like, it was asking me if I knew anybody. I said, you should try BetterHelp. Mm-hmm. And she's got a great relationship with her therapist now. And the, she's, using, she's been bouncing around the place over the last couple of months. And it's been really great to see. And I, I have another family member very close to me that I recommended to. been using BetterHelp. It's been very helpful. So I would recommend it. And you got a Chris Carr endorsement as well. So check it out. Use that link in the description below. All right, before we uh, move on, or before we close out, rather, let's get to this story. All right, we, got, we both got a chance to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, what's it called, Mutant Mayhem. Mutant Mayhem. That's right, and we both really enjoyed it. But the movie already, New Ninja Turtles, has snagged $3.9 million just in previews alone. The critically acclaimed animated feature, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, reportedly grossed $3.85 million in Tuesday night previews last night. The Jeff Rowe-directed film, Opened domestically today and is reportedly on track for a Wednesday-Sunday haul at least $30 million, with some suggesting it could go up to 40 Disney's Haunted Mansion was also projecting an opening of 30 to 40 over a tighter three-day before ultimately debuting at $24 million. It has been written off as a bomb due its, to its poor international box office and its costly $150 million budget. Turtles has a lot going for it. Reasonable budget, more recognizable international brand, not to mention rave reviews. The film sits at 95% with Rotten Tomatoes, the exact same as Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and Mutant Mayhem currently currently at 3,513 locations and will expand up to 3,851 by Friday. It's going up against the Meg sequel, which is expected to haul in somewhere in the mid $20 million range from Friday to Sunday. Barbie, though, going to remain the queen of the box office with a third weekend haul of 55 to $60 million. That's crazy for week three. I'll That's tell you that. Wild. wild. Movie um, has legs. Sure does. So, so much to kind of unwrap here mm-hmm. inside of the box office. But the first is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Seth Rogen, again, these guys, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, man, they're just like producing machines. Yeah. They're really good at what they do as far they as producing. Are. They have such a unique voice in the kind of comic superhero mm-hmm. genre as well, too. The stuff that they've done with Invincible, the things they've yeah. done with the boys where yeah. they elevated it from the source material, which rarely happens with comic book adaptations. Didn't they do Legion also? They did. Yeah, right? Yeah, and then this latest with TMNT, which is so good from a voice acting perspective, too. Having those boys in the recording booth together, you feel that energy oh, yeah. so well in this movie, and it's so it's so fun. Yeah. 
they're just able to bounce off of each other in a way that you you usually don't get the opportunity to do because usually you know you know it's just you in a box and you're maybe hearing right. somebody else's pre-recorded. You got to imagine that person. It's right. like playing D and D by yourself. <laughs> right, right. Or right. it's just Ugh, theater of the mind. Let's go. Yeah. I'll do fight noises to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and this is so well done. The animation is so gorgeous. The camaraderie is so great. The yeah. storytelling is Comedy's good. Comedy's good, too. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's um, it, it, I enjoyed it a lot. And like, like I was telling you, my, my oldest really loved it. Youngest just didn't get it, but mm -hmm. she's doing five years old. But, um, and but it is scary for a five-year-old. It is, it, for sure. There's, I, but I, there's I, some heckin' violence. There is. And I think that's one of the things. She kind of hit her head a couple different times, but I think she was just like, yeah, I don't know, it's not for me. Um, but not because it wasn't a good movie. It's because she just she's not ready for it yet. Yeah. But the but the eleven almost twelve year old loved it. Like just loved it. Thought it was uh, great. Laughed a bunch of times, and I thought it was a good telling of the story. And I think that it'll be this will. It's gonna have legs. It's gonna do very well, and it's gonna be you definitely in a second movie for yeah. sure. And smart that they don't lead with Shredder as the as the villain mm -hmm. in this movie. Really interesting villain too. I yeah. enjoy it. Really focusing I, on that TCIM kind of situation. It was smart though because now it's almost what they did in like in Batman Begins, mm -hmm. right? It's like okay, we're not leading with the Joker. We don't have to rely on the Joker for this one. We've done the Joker before. We'll get you'll get to him. Yeah. And when you get to him, it's going to really deliver, and that's what they're doing here. And I think that that's um, I think I think this movie is going to do very well. I think it's going to open way better than. Because they projected like Haunted Mansion was projected projected to do better than it did, and then it didn't. But I think they were also right. The brand of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it's something for kids to see more so because Haunted Mansion could play if you don't know it well enough. It could play like a like a horror movie or something. Exactly. Yeah. When you also have there was the Eddie Murphy version of it too. That's right. Yeah. That did not do particularly right. well. This one definitely does take more of a Pirates of the Caribbean approach, where you see homages to the ride that makes sense. Yeah. But it, it's cute. It's a cute movie. I missed it. I missed it. I had a, I had a screening for that, twice. I missed both screenings for it and just didn't get a chance to go out and see it. So I tried to tell people if I missed the screenings, very unlikely for me to get to the theater. Yeah. But um, that has to be hard with kids. It's tough. It's amazing that you see movies. Period. I know. Well, I mean, it's part of the that. That's when it's part of the job, right? Like when I get when I'm able to get the screening, I put it in my schedule. Like, and I saw the Meg. Two last night, by the way, and people are like, well, you had your reaction up, it's gone. Well, the social reaction is usually, you can put the social reaction up and then the review embargo is, is like a day, two later. But apparently, they're both at the same time. And that was, that was told to me by another critic. And they were asked to take their thing down. So they took it down, they asked me, did you have to take yours down? And I hadn't gotten an email from Warner Brothers, but I'm like, I'm taking it down. Yeah, better so, safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. I'll, I'll put it up. On, I'll put it up on Thursday when the embargo lifts. If that tells you anything, though. Um, so uh, anyway, so that movie comes out. Meg Two will do fine, if 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 at all. Haunted Mansion is going to continue. Like, this is again that movie costs way too much money for what, 150 million dollars. Virtu. I mean, Lakeith Stanfield, very talented actor. So good. So good, but not a household name yet. Should nope. be. Yeah, but but I not yet. Him, yeah, I want him to get there. Rosario Dawson is getting there. She's still, but the same same thing where you look at, and a lot of people are like, what? If you're in this space, of course, you and you follow, like if you're a big movie buff, of course you know who Rosario Dawson is. But I don't think, like, she's she's not a ticket, like, oh, I got to get that because Rosario Dawson. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They didn't have anybody like that in this movie. Owen Wilson, maybe not really. I mean, he's, he's famous, yeah. but it's not, not enough that you're going to buy tickets. So I don't know. Even Danny DeVito, it's like, I mean, 20 years ago, 30 mm -hmm. years ago. 
So I don't know. This is and Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously. Yeah. Great cast. It's a great cast. It's I have had cast. people ask me, though, too, was it too busy with that big of an ensemble? And I've heard that, at least was from it? people in the space. I don't think so. Some of the names listed where you hear the whole roster, yeah. they are just flash in the pan cameos. Okay. Um, Danny DeVito featured in there. Jamie Lee Curtis, actually like a role in everything too, right? But some of the other folks, it's a, oh, hey, there's that guy. And that's it. <laughs> and right. that's it for it. Yeah. But it's cute. I think kids and families will like it. And honestly, there's a there's a really great through line in this movie about grief and how to process Is there, it. Okay. I mean, look, I've heard nothing but like everyone that I've heard said the same thing you did. Mm -hmm. It's cute. It's a, It's got a good story. And, but it's just, people aren't clamoring for it, right? And it's like the decisions behind it, like to make that movie for $150 million, bad choice. And yeah. it was also, it was originally supposed to come out, I think this week or the following. The Marvels was supposed to come out in that spot, but they took it out and pushed it to November. It was in a terrible spot because it's sandwiched right in between Barbie's third week or second week when that came out, Barbie's second week, Oppenheimer's second week. Yep. That's a bad spot to be in. It's a weird summer movie, too, yeah. in general, I think. Yeah. Well, and right now we yeah, have Yeah, why doesn't so it come out in Halloween? Uh, that's what I think. Yeah. It should have come out in October. And right now we have these kinds of generational IPs dominating, and rightly so. You have Super Mario Brothers. You've got Barbie. You've oh, got yeah. TMNT. And it's because you've got, at minimum, what, three to four generations of fans right. who like one version of that thing and go, oh, yeah, I'll go see that. And it appeals to such a wide audience. Yeah. Even if you aren't, like, a diehard 90s turtle fan... Maybe you read the comics and you were like, man, that original Daredevil parody was killer. Right. I want to go see that. Yeah. Or maybe you really, really love when they started meeting up with like Usagi Jimbo and things like that. Or you love Krang and are hoping to get to that point. You're going to go see a movie like that yeah. versus, oh, something based on a Disney ride? Maybe. It, it was much easier for me to say to, my, say to my wife, hey, you know, I think I want to take the kids to go see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And she's like, okay, go. Just go. As opposed to Haunted House, you think they'll be ready for that plus the fact this is the funniest thing i've told a few people this story i was online at disneyland with my family online for the for the haunted house uh, haunted mansion ride mm -hmm. and i got the invite for the haunted mansion premiere while i was online Ooh. Uh, on, on the line yeah and i didn't wind up going to it but it, but because it, it was in and, and it was the premiere was at the haunted mansion yeah. at disneyland which is crazy but like i was like no I'm just, I was just there. It's a hard, long drive. And honestly, it's just, it was a movie. And I saw footage that they showed at D23, whatever, last year, whenever it was. And I thought it just looked okay. Yeah. And, but people, people are digging it. it and, but Barbie is the story again. Going to have a big weekend. Oppenheimer, I still saw people walking into the theater to see Oppenheimer yesterday when I was there. So those two movies are going to be, it's going to be pretty dominant. But, before I let you out of here, I do want to. We talked about this when it comes to the the box office in general, and I want to bring up these numbers so far leading up to um, through through August or coming up to August here. Go ahead. Okay, so I want to go over the box office here with Disney. So as you start off, Disney had these movies. These are just some of them, right? Ant Man and the Wasp, which is only around two hundred fourteen million. Gross things domestically, but uh, didn't didn't make a lot of money. Little Mermaid didn't make its money. Uh, Indiana Jones didn't make its money. Not at all. Guardians made its money, and um, and Elemental I think barely broke even. So this is and that's just the the big ones. Yeah. They might have had some other stuff too, but for the most part, those are the ones that stand out. Elemental started kind of crawling along, and it's done better globally than it has domestically. It has, but I think it even with that, it if it's made a 
profit, it's made a profit of like $5 million yeah. or something maybe. Exactly. So and I can't even think about what they spent on marketing. So this is, do you think this is one of the main reasons that Bob Iger was like, uh, yeah, we're not going to be spending this kind of money in 2024 and on, and on these kind of movies. And, and I think it's the right choice if that's the case. What do you think? I think so. I, they're definitely cutting fat everywhere because Disney, prior to these strikes too, was doing huge layoffs. I mean, massive right. layoffs. We were seeing seasoned, important animators and things too being let go. The, the person who saved the Toy Story film let go. Right. So... They've been making lots and lots of cuts. Uh, I have some friends who, who've who worked for Disney for a long time too, who have said, you know, I know you guys always talk about Bob Iger as this kind of Disney mastermind. Yeah. A lot of the things that happened with Chapek were Bob Iger things that didn't happen until he was gone. So I'm I'm starting to falter a little bit on, yeah. is Bob Iger the the genius we've all put, like, put him up to be? You know, he's got a masterclass that's very, very worthwhile and everything. Yeah. But Disney obviously is in some hot water, and the streaming service, first of all, is not what it should be, right. and not what they that's thought it would very be. Very true. Yeah. You know, COVID honestly was the saving grace for it, and that's again, everyone had this very emotional mm-hmm. jerk reaction of, well, that's the way we're going to distribute things now, and that's hurt them so tremendously. It one ruined how people view Pixar movies. I think that's one of the reasons why Elemental didn't do well. I agree. A lot of Pixar movies really got hit because of that day in. Yeah. Loose, yeah. Uh, there was this just level of, oh, we'll throw it on streaming. Mm-hmm. No worries. And now when we try to do a theatrical release, I think people have that, oh, that's something I watch at home right. kind of stigma to it. And Elemental is something you should have watched on a big screen because it's right. gorgeous and it's a great immigration story. I think, too, they've just been spending so much money. They they acquired so many things. And that's one of the things Bob Iger's great at is negotiating a business deal, right. making those yeah. kinds of acquirements yeah. and everything. He's an absolute mogul at that. But they've spread themselves so thin. They're they're completely Frodo Baggins now. They are butter <laughs> spread too thin over bread. Right. And they have all these properties that should be good, yeah. that should be firing on all cylinders. You have Star Wars and you haven't made a Star Wars movie for theaters in years? Yeah. What are you doing, you guys? That's yeah, that one that that's a combination, I think even more so of but that's I think that he's been Everybody, well, Chapek and I were putting the pressure on Kathleen Kennedy on that one. Absolutely. Because, like, and then the next. When that's everyone a whole loves other. to blame Kathleen Kennedy. And is she infallible? Absolutely not. She's made some bad choices, but also. Yeah. yeah, I think that recently, though, I think up top, people were blaming her and going after her just because. I think she, I, the way that I put it now, that I think is the best way to put it, is she's a she's a manager of a, of a, of a franchise team that she just her plans aren't working yeah and then she needs to go run another team for sure um but i think that it doesn't change the fact that there needs to be changes in general at what they're doing at disney because they went from this everything was hitting as you're saying for all cylinders now it's like i mean and last year was not great either Lightyear lost a ton of money for them and strange world lost a lot of money for them Mm -hmm. and so they were they've been they have not been hitting in strides in the way that they and i think they need to change up some of the way that they're approaching some of their stories and I don't know, a lot of different things, but this goes back to my overall point of this is not a Disney thing. This is an overall industry thing. Scale that budget down, man. Really? That's it. Scale it down so much. Because, again, we, we see these budgets, too, and half the time they don't even tell us what the marketing budget was. That's right. So it's just for the film itself. So even when we are seeing somebody break even, it's typically not the full story. Yeah, the marketing is usually anywhere between 100 or 150 or even more so, depending yep. on the on the budget itself. 
Um, it was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I love being here. I love having you here. You should come back again. It's great. You're so close to so many places I like to go to, too. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, there's good. an Italy like 15 minutes away from oh, here. Oh, yeah, Italy. I love that place. Yeah, that place is great, too. So, guys, please, where can they find you on the, on the onlines? Oh, I'm on, uh, well, I guess I'm still on Twitter. I don't really check it, though. Um, X, please. Yeah, X, excuse me. Oh, my gosh. Elon, I'm so sorry. Uh, but you can mostly find me on Instagram. Uh, it's Chris Carr okay. is where I'm at. Or if you want to ask me about voiceover questions, uh, my studio is speakfriendstudio.com. We do demos. We do classes. I actually have a voiceover boot camp coming up August 19th. And it's a one-day little intro to kind of get your feet wet and see if you like voiceover. Please do that. Please go and check it out. It's yeah. a pleasure to have her back. And then we're gonna. I know that last time we had Chris on with uh, with Roxy, we'll have to have uh, Roxy back in yeah. soon. Um, oh man! To Shout out to Roxy. Yeah. She's got a, a short film coming out that they paused. Yeah. Because of Standing in Solidarity, even though it's a completely independent film, yeah. and that. That is such an integrity move and really just impressive from her and the whole team with that. That is that is really stellar. Yeah. Learn something from her, Stephen Amell. Come on. <laughs> for real. All right, Arrow. We'll see you on the flip side. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here today. As I mentioned, if you're brand new to the show, you've never been here before, hit that subscribe button. Help us out. Get us to 100,000. We we're moving there. We're getting close. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are found. It's the big thing. We'll see you next time.